Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Credit Union Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lynch, and our guest today is Holly Faring from the Filene Research Institute. While I typically try to interview credit union marketers, Holly was referred to me by a previous guest, Michael Hostetler, who felt that some of the things they were doing at Filene were really interesting, would be really beneficial for other credit union marketers to hear. And after you listen to the episode, I think you'll agree there's a lot of great information here, and I think you'll really enjoy this episode. And on a final note, I just wanted to let you know that Filene did not pay or sponsor this episode in any way. This is simply me going on a recommendation, and after listening to the episode, I think you'll agree that Michael made a great recommendation. With that, let's jump into the episode. Thank you for joining me, Holly. Thanks for having me, Justin. Cool. To start out, I'd like if you could tell us a bit about yourself and what the Filene Research Institute does. Sure. My name is Holly Faring, and I am the marketing director at Filene Research Institute. And what we are is essentially a think tank for consumer cooperative finance, so primarily credit unions. And we do all sorts of research, and not only research, but we take ideas that evolve out of the research and we get our hands dirty with them and really test them in the market. And we check for a lot of around like human-centered design principles. We check for if these ideas that prove validity in the research are actually um, desirable in the marketplace and if they're effective at helping credit unions do their jobs better and if they're effective at um, serving credit union members and helping them be more financially sound. Essentially, everything we do is geared towards helping the consumer uh, create a better financial future for themselves. And we do all this in support of the credit union industry and helping them be able to get out there and do their work better and be more effective at serving their members. Nowadays, we hear a lot about how research is so vital for marketing and for credit unions. Uh, hear a lot about things like human-centered design, and a lot of it can be confusing, I think, to people. So why is research so important for credit unions? Yeah, it's very important right now because things are changing really quickly. So you've got a lot of things to keep your arms around if you are working in financial services. Not only do you have competition from other financial services, other banks and credit unions and traditional financial services, but essentially there's all these disrupting uh, organizations and industries that are coming in and trying to also be financial service providers. So we don't exactly know what the future landscape of how the average consumer is going to manage their finances looks like in the future. And certainly what has gotten us to where we are today in the financial services industry is not what's going to get us where we need to be in the future. So the research is the way that we can be more strategic around learning about trends and being ahead of the curve around what consumers are expecting, what kind of member experiences or customer experiences they're driven towards, and what's going to kind of attach them to your organization and keep them as loyal customers. Without that research, you're, you're just kind of guessing. And the research gives you some insight into what that future is going to be, um, gives you a better um, setup for having a strategy that will be more effective for your business and also for those that you're trying to serve. 
So based on the research that you guys have seen so far, is there one or two trends that are coming down the road that you think might blindside a lot of credit unions? Like they essentially may not be ready for this upcoming change? Well, certainly one of them is looking at what is going to be the future of vehicles. So the credit union industry has been kind of known for having tremendous auto loan rates. And in fact, between 30 and 60% of a credit union's loan portfolio could be made up of auto loans. That's really their sweet spot in a lot of cases. And if the trends continue that people are not looking to own vehicles in the future, if there's more um, co-ownership of vehicles, if there's more ride sharing of vehicles, and certainly if the autonomous vehicle trend does take over in the next 20, 30, or 50 years, credit unions need to be prepared for thinking about, okay, if it's not an auto loan that we're offering, what are we going to do to make up for potentially losing 30 to 60% of our loan portfolio? And it's kind of similar to what kind of blindsided certain credit unions that offered um, taxi medallion loans. And when um, Uber, Lyft, other ride-sharing platforms descended on the scene, certainly those, those drivers were not prepared for it. And the credit unions that were offering the loans for the medallions when they lost value were not prepared for that. And it really damaged a lot of those credit unions that were offering those types of loans. So that's kind of the lesson that I compare it to. But certainly, again, with vehicles, it's something that credit unions need to be keeping a very, very close eye on. And when you mentioned human-centered design, I know that term gets used a lot. And I think sometimes people, at least I know myself sometimes, I'm like, I'm not 100% sure what that means. Uh, Do you mind kind of diving into that a little bit, what that means and how it translates to a credit union? Sure. So when we come up with our solutions, I would say, from the ideas that are presented in our research, These solutions oftentimes, they come from academic research, from primary research, a lot of times surveys, maybe even scraping metadata off of social media platforms and looking at what people are saying that they want. But what people say that they want and what people actually want in their behaviors are not always one in the same. So the human-centered design method kind of takes an idea that looks good on paper and really puts it to the test in practice. And kind of the first gate that it has to get through, which sometimes is done through the research alone, is is saying like, is this something desirable? So, you know, you can do this with a net promoter score or other type of survey where you're asking people, would you use this service? Would you be interested in this if your credit union offered this? Is this something that you would suggest to people in your network? And that's kind of, you know, getting it through that gate of, is it desirable? But then we have to look about, is this something that's even feasible for a business to offer? Is it something that would be profitable? Is it something that also has a business component in it that makes the idea worth pursuing? And we've seen a lot of ideas get through that first gate. And then we say, okay, this loan idea, it's not going to make a credit union money. Now, knowing that you may still offer it as a way to get new members in the door, knowing 
that you're not going to make money off of this loan product. But that's kind of, is it feasible? And then is it viable? Is it something, again, that's that's going to sustain business? Is it going to have, um, you know, if it's not bringing in dollars, is it bringing in new members? Is it bringing in a reaching a new market? Is there some aspect of it that makes it a viable option for the business? And so it's kind of like giving it that kick the tires test to any idea around one, is the end user going to want this? And two, is this going to be something that can be done with the resources available at this business right now? And is it going to be something that will allow this organization to continue to exist? You talked about how you guys obviously go through the data and then work with the credit unions to kind of help develop this. And you kind of just outlined some of that. Do you mind going a little deeper into that process? So say a credit union reaches out to Filene and says, hey, we we need help researching this. We think we have an area we want to go. What does that process look like from that moment to the time that you guys are working hand in hand with the credit union to develop the campaign? So there's really kind of two ways that we do a lot of our research. We are connected with professors and academics at universities across the United States. And they each, each of those academics, or we call them our Filene Fellows, they're in charge of a research topic that we call our centers of excellence. So we have topics that Um, We have worked with credit union CEOs that form our research council. They advise us on the topics that are most uh, needed for credit unions in general to learn more about. So it deals with emerging technology and um, talent issues and operational efficiencies and entrepreneurial um, kind of new innovations. And um, so, so those kinds of topics each get kind of their own focus and a university professor just kind of really dives into what is the type of research that's um, on the horizon in this area. And from that, we do a lot of research that's for all of the credit unions. And then internally to our experts and our research directors inside Filene, we apply all of those academic learnings to the business side and say, here's, here are the key implications for credit unions. Here's how credit unions can um, apply this. Now, sometimes a credit union is looking for very, very specific deep dive research in their own member base. And in those cases, we do what we call custom research. So one credit union will specifically come to us and say, this is what we need done. And then we will do that research kind of on a one-on-one basis with them. And uh, so we've done that for, for example, we've done that recently with a credit union that wanted to see the relationship between a financial wellness score of their member and other correlating factors such as um, health and mental well-being. So what we did is is we created a survey and we surveyed members and then we surveyed kind of general population and we really crunched the numbers to get the strongest and weakest correlations were between a high financial well-being score and unsurprisingly for that one we saw that someone's uh, physical health and someone's financial health were very strongly correlated and so we did that for a credit union that is looking for a deeper dive in their own personal member data that's a really interesting use of data have you guys had any other really interesting um 
kind of custom data usages that you, you think are interesting to share? Yeah, we did one that actually is uh, publicly available to all of our members, but it was a specific case study for Kern Schools Federal Credit Union. The research report was called Using Analytics to Meet Members' Needs. And it was a case study really about how Kern Schools Credit Union did their own market research because in 2012, they were kind of on the brink of financial ruin. They were not doing well. And what they decided to do was, you know, give it a really strong go to turn the ship around um, before, you know, pursuing other options like mergers or, you know, maybe even becoming insolvent. They took a look at who they thought their members were, and then they did a lot of market research to see who their members really were, who was that 80% member base that was using most of their products and services that was the most profitable member base. And what they found is who they thought their members were was not actually what they currently were seeing. They saw that they had a lot of millennial members and a lot of Latino members coming to, to use their services. And they wanted and expected different things than the credit union was offering because the credit union was operating on an assumption that their member base was different. And just by knowing that and reacting in a, a few small ways, putting money into mobile banking options and just being um, having physical locations in different areas, that actually by 2018 saw a huge turnaround in their performance and they are now very financially successful now as an as an organization. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's 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 really powerful what that kind of research can do and they did a really smart approach with it by I mean they did multiple different research strategies. So they did uh, focus groups. They did just a, a deep dive into their own member data. And they did scrape metadata off of their social media um, sites to see what the perception of their organization was and what people were saying about it, because they knew that the perception changes faster than behavior changes. So if they were able to measure someone's perception of how much they liked or didn't like the organization, they were able to make changes before the behavior of their member base actually took hold. Are there ways for credit unions to do some of this initial research themselves before essentially going and hiring um, you guys to come in? Like, are there things that credit unions, whether it's maybe sending email surveys, I'm not really sure what that, you know, mm -hmm. what, what those be, but are there ways that credit unions can kind of do some of that initial research themselves before turning to an expert like you guys? Absolutely. I mean, they, the credit union has all of the internal member data that is going to give you that kind of insight into what's really happening. So getting a survey out there and just trying to figure out like what, what is the current state of member satisfaction and what's the net promoter score of your organization today that can help you start building a baseline so that even if you do start making like little tweaks, you know, these are all kind of like Going back to high school science classes, right? You you wanna you wanna change just one variable at a time. So if you measure 
your net promoter score. And then let's say you make one small change around how you're offering your services. And then you, you measure it again in six months. If that net promoter score has, has moved or improved or decreased, you know that that change either worked or didn't work. And so you can do a lot of little tests internally that way. You can kind of isolate it to a small bubble of your membership if you don't want to do that with every member or look at um, or you know re reach out to all your members you can certainly get a fairly accurate significant survey with a smaller amount of your member base and then focus groups are really really great too if you if you do have members that are willing to sit down with you and just talk about you know kind of the the why behind how they use you and why they feel that way about you and what they want more out of their financial services provider, that's going to give you a lot of key insights right there that'll help you with your strategic planning going forward. What kind of mental shifts do credit union marketers need to make in order to think from a data perspective first? It's really easy to go off of member testimonials and different things that are more anecdotal because the stories are rememberable and stories are powerful. And, you know, we always talk about here at Filene that we need to appeal to both the head and the heart. And the data is really the story of the head. The data is going to a lot of times just confirm or validate what you may already know through the stories and the testimonials and the feedback that you get. But that gives people that I think marketers in particular kind of need that data to not only show it to themselves, but to prove it to the rest of the organization that the strategy that may be an investment may be a deviation from um, what you've always been, but that it's the right strategy, that it's the right move. And that data is going to give people a lot of confidence and validation that the trend line is moving in that direction and that something needs to be done to try to um, keep up the evolving consumer expectations. You've already given us two really great examples of credit unions using data. Do you have another example of essentially the differences that it's made when a credit union utilizes data to its fullest potential? Well, I would say it's slightly related to that on an aggregate level. We did this really fascinating research report around, it's, it's called Who Do Credit Unions Belong To? And it was this massive study of the social and political affiliations of credit union members. So it was more done on an aggregate rather than any one particular credit union. But the data that came out of this study found that contrary to a lot of people's beliefs, both Democrats and Republicans felt that credit unions' values were their own values. So really, really interesting to know that, you know, I think that sometimes credit unions are really, really scared of trying to affiliate with any one group of people. And then they end up being kind of trying to be all things to all people, which the research has shown that that is not as effective, even though that feels, you know, it's kind of in counterintuitive, it feels safer to try to be welcoming and open to everyone and not that a credit union should purposely be closed doors to, to certain types of people. But knowing that major political divides are not 
what is driving people to or away from credit unions um, kind of gives you a little bit more breathing room to talk about your credit union values. Because like I said, that both Democrats and Republicans in the survey saw that the values of a credit union were aligned with their own. So go ahead and, and kind of highlight those more. And what's even more about this research, more fascinating, is that then kind of the phase, the second phase of it was looking at credit unions' websites and they, uh, the researchers divided them out into which credit unions did on their homepage have a clear value statement and mission kind of purpose or even just a differentiator about being a credit union, which had that versus which did not have anything distinguishable about their particular organization from any other. And they found that 82% of the credit union websites they looked at were in that second group where they had no distinguishing messaging on their homepage. And then when they cross, we have an economist that works with us that had the financial data of all of those credit unions. And when they cross-examined which were higher financial performers, those, that small percentage that did have a mission or some sort of distinguishing characteristic on their website homepage, those credit unions were performing better financially than the rest. So that really, again, validates and gives people permission to, or, or maybe just like the safety net that they need to stand out from the crowd. And it seems obvious for marketers, but again, it's really helpful in proving your case to, um, to your leadership. Definitely. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. It's, it's amazing what data can reveal for stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. One of the last questions I have is credit union marketers and even the credit unions in general get all this data. They're looking through it. I know you guys help them kind of sift through it and figure out what the actionable steps are. How can a credit union take some of that data and make an actionable plan based on the data they receive? So I can give you an example from one of our other survey or research uh, reports that we've done. And I think the more specific our research is, the more easily it is translatable to a operational plan. So one of our reports, we looked at digital clout, meaning review sites and people reviewing credit unions and their services, which the, the research shows that that's a large driver in decisions around people, to, um, you know, when somebody moves to a new city, needs to find a new financial services provider, they're looking at sites like Yelp for other kind of unbiased reviews more and more. So at the end of this report, we have an eight-step guide that credit unions can print out, and it tells you like, how to generate more positive reviews on a Yelp site. And it's literally step-by-step, step, like starting with number one, claim your Yelp page and put a picture of your organization on there and have somebody assigned to reviewing that every day and responding to any comments, good or bad. Over time, it, it has kind of like steps of like how you can get better and better and better based off of the credit unions that we surveyed and interviewed that are doing this successfully and what their kind of lessons learned in the process were. So a lot of our research has like a tangible component to it in addition to the full report that we can say like, okay, so now that you learned this, go do this. Another one is um, we have a, a report that just came out around enhancing member experience. And 
the report comes along with a workshop guide that, again, you can print it out and use it with your own teams internally for a half-day session around finding best-in-class best in member experience examples and what was so great about those and how you can extract those elements and integrate them into what your credit union is doing today. So I have one last question for you. What is one takeaway for someone listening today? What's one takeaway that they can start implementing right now to improve how they're capturing and using data in their marketing? I think that it has to do with, you know, something that we are doing more and more around net promoter scores. I know I talked about this earlier, but I think that a lot of the stuff that we want to do with data is moving the needle towards like seeing seeing an increase, seeing an improvement, whether it's that net promoter score or loyalty or increased loan growth in a certain product area. The thing that we often forget when we want to kind of go forward with it is that we need a baseline to compare it to. And a lot of times it's like, oh, I wish I knew what this number was six months ago. So if you could get those baselines now, whether or not you're you're starting kind of a, a new test of something different. Think about getting satisfaction scores, loyalty scores, net promoter scores um, through a survey now, even if you don't know what you're going to do with it. And then that will set your baseline. And, you know, tracking all of your, your numbers, tracking how many followers you have on your social media, all of those things now so that you do have a baseline to compare it to. The longer you have that baseline going for, the more solid your reevaluation is going to be because you can say six months ago it was this, today it's this. And that's really, that's really important because you need at least two points on a line to be able to see what direction that line is going in. Excellent. Thank you for joining me. Of course. This is fun. Cool. And what's the best way if someone wants to get in contact with you and Filene, what's the best way to do that? So I would just say head over to Filene.org. And um, another thing that's interesting potentially for, for marketers is that we did just redo our website about a year ago. So tool around in our website, check out our homepage, um, search for some topics in our search bar to see kind of what we've done research on. So, you know, check that out. And then if you have a specific question that you want to email about, um, you can use our general info at Filene.org. I also do a podcast, so I think people might be interested in checking out Filene's podcast. And uh, we interview a lot of our researchers that do the research, so you can hear directly from them on a lot of the topics that you might be interested in there. Perfect. I, I listened to an episode or two, so definitely if you're listening to this, make sure to listen to theirs as well. It's really great. And with that, we will wrap the show. Music from the show is from filmmusic.io. The song is Cold Sober by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompetech.com. 